You're listening to the Who's Driving Your Car podcast, episode 194. Welcome to the Who's Driving Your Car podcast, where we discuss not only who or what might be driving your life, but also the great views and experiences along the way. Do you drive in the fast lane like my wife, or do you feel like you're stuck in first gear? You only get one life to live, and it can be either a total wreck or a beautiful cruise into the sunset. We are three friends that have collectively experienced almost anything that could possibly happen in this crazy world. And we'll be discussing our personal reflections and experiences so hopefully you can avoid running out of gas and truly enjoy the wind blowing in your hair. So hop on in with us for a little road trip called life. And let's discuss who's driving your car. Aye! What's happening, podcast world? Welcome to episode 194, Cienta Noventa (laughs) Equatro. to introduce the episode and say finally finally man i've been looking forward to this 194 episodes my life's complete (laughs) (laughs) you got to throw it out there i'll tell you what hot dog is gonna run out of things to do in this podcast we've already accomplished being able to hit record we send it over so that was one thing he was not confident that we were able to do and now look both of us can do the intro yes no trust in us but i think we obviously can hold the fort down so yeah this is so obviously a two-man crew today. Hot Dog is still traveling, uh, actually in Canada uh, this week, so still doing some honeymooning. So we're happy for him uh, to get out and about, but we're going to come at you today with a podcast episode that I think is relevant, certainly relevant for Cece and I, but moving forward, this is something that hopefully Hot Dog can listen to and gain a little bit of advice. So this episode is on fatherhood. Fatherhood. Yeah, we thought this was a great episode because, you know, obviously me and Steve are fathers and hot dogs hopefully one day going to join us. And so obviously we pray for his fertility. (laughs) Steve is consistently praying for fertility. Yes. So I have no doubt that he will have a litter of hot dogs running around. (laughs) (laughs) A hot dog litter. There we go. But in reflecting on that, um, I think there's a lot we can talk about today. I'm sure we'll get to. So it's going to be fun. I look forward to it. Yep, uh, it's going to be a good time, but before we get started, let's go ahead and and do the would you rather. Even though he's not here, we'll go ahead and do it, and I'll take it. This is going to be an easy one for you. Um, But anyway, would you rather, in the spirit of fatherhood, all sons or all daughters? Hey, well. Not fair. Too easy. (laughs) I'm going to take all daughters, because that's what I got. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I'm excited. Um, I love my daughters. They're beautiful, and it's funny, because when you're having kids, I think initially you're like, yeah, I want one of each, and... You know, who doesn't want to have a little variety, but you have, you just love them for who they are. And after having one daughter, then you're like, well, you know, if I have a son that's different, I have another daughter. Well, then, you know, there's a, there's a sister, you know, for the daughter. So it worked out. And then a third daughter, it's like, hey, God made me to be a father for daughters. Mm-hmm. And it's been awesome. And, you know, I, uh, hey, maybe I'll reflect on some of those uh, topics while we're having the today's discussion yeah you know it's rumored that you've been put up as the patron saint for uh fathers of daughters so we'll see we'll see if you get canonized moving forward cc <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough field to climb there but at least i'll do the best i can while i'm on earth there you go baby well for me you know i had a whole slew of boys and uh i kind of thought it was i was going to be a boy dad man it's been a whole lot of fun a whole lot of chaos a whole lot of uh mayhem that goes on all the time but, uh, you know, we recently had a little girl, and so far it's, 
you know, she still doesn't do a whole lot, just kind of yeah. looks at you and eats and poops and all that kind of stuff. So I don't really know how that's going to change. So with that being said, I would say boys, all <laughs> boys so far, because I, don't, I still don't even know you what the girl's going to turn into. Oh, yet. man. We'll, we'll revisit this episode in a couple of years. And Sorry see about that, Josie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, ma'am, this is that was a great would you rather. I mean, because it's kind of going into the topic of today's uh, episode, which is fatherhood. And, you know, when I think about fatherhood, you know, there's so many ways to reflect on it. There's, you know, thinking about our childhood and our fathers. Um, I think of so many people who had a great father role model and, and what it did for them. But I also think about people who maybe didn't have a father or a good father role model and kind of, you know, the life they're leading and, and a lot of the struggles they've had and those that have overcome it and those that are maybe still kind of suffering from that. And so sometimes there's an opportunity for, for us to be father figures to others in, in our life who don't have a father figure or didn't have a, a good father figure. So this is going to be interesting. Um, you know, I'm looking at Matt, he had a hot dog as y'all hear, but he, you know, he doesn't have any kids yet, but you know, there was a point in time where me and Steve were, you know, introduced to, to fatherhood in our lives because we've had to become a father and just the, the uncertainty, the anxiety, the, you know, what the heck do I do with this? What are your thoughts, man, on just this whole concept of fatherhood? Yeah, man. I mean, it really touches so many different things. If you're, you know, talking about from a spiritual aspect, talking about a personal aspect, you know, with yourself and your father and, or yourself and your children. So, I mean, it depends on which, which area that we're talking about, but I think there's a lot of different avenues that we can talk about. And I think it's going to be an exciting conversation, you know, going back and starting off with relationship, you know, with my father, you know, growing up, I remember, you know, my dad kind of just being a little grumpy whenever he'd come home and we were all, you know, I'm one of 11 kids. We were, you know, we were always around. We didn't really, we were homeschooled. So we were always on top of our parents. <laughs> so uh, looking back now and seeing some of those things, I'm like, oh, maybe that was why he was grumpy because we were always around. We were always, uh, you know, in his hair and there was no relief from it. But one of the other things that I've realized is growing up, whenever my dad would try to start doing a project and I guess this is pays some of the dues and well I don't know this may not have happened with you CC uh -huh. maybe it's different between boys and girls you know my dad would get started trying to do a project and you know inevitably the tools would be gone like whatever he wanted <laughs> to use was not available um and my, <laughs> I remember distinctly my dad's like nobody took his tools no, you know what happened they Where just vanished the where did they go to and we were all like, what's the deal? I don't know. We didn't, I didn't take them. You know, nobody ever took them, of course. But of course, he blamed it on y'all. We did get blamed for it. So That's funny. Now, look, looking back, I, that kind of stuff happens with me all the time. Yes. I go and start looking for certain things that I know where I put it whenever I use it. And inevitably, it's not there. And I'm like, man, dad was right. These things do vanish. <laughs> they do vanish. And it must have been the kids. <laughs> it must have been the kids, of course. So that's one of the the funny little things that uh, came to my mind, um, you know, talking about fatherhood. But, uh, you know, looking back and reflecting on my dad raising uh, 11 kids. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive. So I have not even quite halfway there yet. I've got five. And, uh, I mean, it's a pretty trying um, experience overall having to, you know, take care of that many kids financially, uh, emotionally. So there's... 
you know, a bunch of different things that looking back now as, as an adult, I have much more admiration and respect for um, the job that they did um, mm-hmm. raising us. What do you think, Susie? I think the same thing. If I were to reflect on my childhood and my father, it's, you know, it's funny because our dads are the results of their upbringing, right? So, you know, you know, I think a lot of people sometimes struggle with maybe the way their father was or wasn't and, and this, the repercussions that had. Fortunately, my dad was, was a great dad. He was loving. He was a hard worker. I remember my dad was... I mean, he was always at work, very busy, um, but did everything he could to provide for his family. It kind of instilled a a strong work ethic in my life as well. Um, But, you know, you you think about those little sentinel events in your childhood um, that, you know, that stand out. One one fun childhood memory I have, my dad's an engineer, was his profession, and I remember in Boy Scouts when we had the little Pinewood Derby car races or we had this one uh, event where we had to fly a kite. We had to build a kite from scratch and fly it. And I'll never forget, there's like 20 kids out there. My dad rigged up some kite using balsa wood sticks and paper and tape. And and he said, just hold it. And then, you know, all the dads would, would let go of the kites and the kids would start running. And I'll never forget, like, we all took off and we all start running. And like 10 kites go like two feet and crash. A couple kites go up and start wobbling, and mine just shot as high as it could go. I mean, straight up, and this thing was like a mile in the air. <laughs> and I'm looking he around, engineered the heck and I'm the last matter. kid holding the kite. And uh, you know, I feel like a lot of times he was so busy that we didn't always have as, as many opportunities as I would have liked to um, have those like fishing of events. You know, it wasn't until later in life we got time to fish and, and spend time with us, but those those few moments I had were were awesome. And then, of course, as we're older, he's one of my best friends, and and we get to share a lot of different things. But I think about that, and you know, I think as I've gone into fatherhood, one of the things I've tried to do. I remember when I first came to town and started working, I talked to a few um, guys in town, and they said, you know, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would have spent a little more time with my family and my kids, and not work so hard. And uh, you know, my dad was a hard worker, um, and he worked long hours. But I, I, I was like, I don't necessarily want to be completely occupied all the time with work. I need to find some balance and try my best to be present in their life and, and be there for those those events. And so, you know, I want them to have a bunch of high kite memories, you know, where, oh my God, there was this time my dad this, my dad that. Because um, you only got one shot. Like Matt always talks about the snap of a finger whenever you, um, you know, how long you may have on this earth. Well, your kids are the same way. I mean, we'll talk about that a little later, but I mean, mine are on the way out, you know? And, yeah. And you're in the throes of it, and, mm-hmm. and HD hadn't even started yet, so just making the most of it. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back to something that you said earlier on. You talked about, you know, the absence of um, a father being around for for children, and I think it's a <clears throat> it's a hugely important thing. Certainly, we see societal society that uh, a father figure is not around that there it causes a lot more issues with disciplinary actions and uh, education and just overall well-being um and financial you know long term mm-hmm. you know the the statistics on there are pretty drastic mm-hmm. so that's something that um you know there may not be somebody else around for that but there always is an opportunity for you to lend yourself out there as a, a young man to be able to do some of those things to step into some of those roles you know whenever i met i became a dad um in 2016 when i married my wife but i'd already known my first son since he was five so mm. it was an interesting experience in that um you know, we went through the marriage counseling and all of that kind of stuff. And 
uh, right before we got married, Monsignor Torres said, how does it feel to be a dad? And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but in the eyes of, uh, you know, Andrew, my stepson, uh, you know, he had already looked at me in that way for an extended period of time. Uh, you know, he would call me his imaginary dad and other things like that. So... It's something that is a, a great responsibility, a great role. Uh, it was something that at the time I didn't fully appreciate it, um, but it's something looking back, um, it's been a wonderful thing. That's awesome. And I, I'm going to kind of... It's a non-traditional way, I guess. You know, no, it's, it's I awesome. Met, it's I met him at five. And it's so true because how many chances are there for us to be a true father to those we love or people we know? I, I thought of a... Um, there's this school up north. Um, I forgot what school it was, but it was, you know, the, was, let's just say there was a disciplinary problem. It was running rampant. Kids were fighting. A lot of issues at this school. Kind was of, it Moss Bluff, was it? <laughs> <laughs> so hard to further, <laughs> further north than that. <laughs> further north. Let's just say it's another state. Okay. It was just overrun with just kids <clears throat> just going nuts. Well, the parents got upset, and there was like a group of about 15 dads that took matters into their own hands, and they started patrolling the school. And they didn't do it in a threatening way. It was more of a, like they were just present. They were around, and all of a sudden you got, quote, unquote, these dads that are in the hallways. Well, and, and you know what? It completely changed the culture of the whole school. I think a lot of these kids needed to have a, a, a disciplinary figure to give them some guidance and show them the way because without that, you're just kind of – there's no one there to show you the, the, the right path um, to, to kind of turn you back in a different direction whenever you're making a mistake and to kind of give them guidance. So they're out there, they're talking to the kids, you know, cutting up with them a little bit. But just I think people felt kids felt safe. I think there's like some safety that comes into play and um, and just being that example. Um, I think it's an amazing opportunity. I think one time I'd heard a priest say, there you know, when you think about father, we call our priest father. And I'm like, well, that's not my father, you know. No, but at one point they took care of orphans and they took care of people who didn't have a father figure. And so, like Steve said, they started calling them father um, because they were that father figure to them. And it just sort of followed tradition that, you know, we have these church leaders we call father. And yes, they're not our biological father, but they are our spiritual fathers. They guide us. They lead us. They, they show us the way. They help us when we get lost. Um, they're sort of like the shepherd for the sheep, and, and, and their goal is to, you know, father us into heaven and, and give us that, that structure that we need because without them, maybe we wouldn't necessarily have the tools and our own will to know how to kind of come back to God. Yeah, and, you know, going back to, to that, what you were just talking about, there's, a, there's an interesting scripture quote. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but you may recall it whenever we talk about it here talks about the, 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 a father's need to discipline his children and, and um, you know, the child craves the discipline in return. Do you remember that specific I quote? know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can't we, remember the exact We used it on an actual retreat. Yes. I agree. I, I mean, I think that kind of falls in line with what you were talking about, having the dads around and seeing that. Uh, I'm sure it was something that their own kids were pretty resistant in the beginning, but overall it sounds like it, it turned into a very – uh, productive thing for the, the dads to do. Mm -hmm. So what would you say, CC, that, um, you know, obviously probably during pregnancy, you might have been a little nervous. There may have been some nerves going on through there. <clears throat> you were the first one to have kids in, in the family? Yes. Of your siblings? Um, yes. So that was, uh, 
probably a newbie, newbie for everybody around. You were, you were the test subject there. Uh, what was that experience like? I mean, were you nervous? Were you anxious? Were you just excited? Um, <laughs> what you think? It's, it's funny. If you ask April, she'd probably have a different story. But I remember. <laughs> okay, I'm asking her for sure. <laughs> we were in we were in med school and. Uh, we would meet for lunch every now and then, and she'd pick me up in the car. We'd drive to a park and just sit in the car and eat or whatever. And I remember I was sitting there, and then she hands over this pregnancy thing, and I look at it, and I look at her, and I'm like – in the moment, I thought, well, obviously, if somebody's handing me a pregnancy stick sitting in shotgun in a car while eating lunch, <laughs> the first thing I thought, there's some significance to this. And it had the double lines or whatever it was. And in my mind, I was super enthusiastic about it. She would say, I said something to the effect of, this is all your fault. <laughs> look, so you reacted like I did. Yeah, yeah. You're like, this is all your fault. No, I mean, look, we were trying. It wasn't like we weren't, but it's like you're never ready. I think some people say, well, we're going to wait and have kids or whenever ready or so many years. You're never ready. Whenever God makes you a father, you're not really ever ready for it because of that. You just, you're just you nervous and there's no benchmark and you're living your life and you're traveling and you are you know have all the freedoms in the world. But I remember that that whole process of watching the you know her go through the pregnancy and the baby grow and ultrasounds and you you start to love this creature that God created and um it's it's crazy and I remember when the baby was born just this it was so surreal and to this day I can remember when we took uh, Layla home and she's laying on the um the blanket on the floor and we had to change a diaper and I was just like <laughs> clueless i mean she's laying there naked crying and i'm looking at it i mean we don't like how do you go from just you know living one life being a kid to next thing you know it's like okay i I, god's entrusted me with this human and i gotta figure this thing out Mm -hmm. and uh i look back 22 years ago and ironically yesterday was my daughter's birthday um she turned 22 and so 22 years ago we're not even the same people as we were back then and just how I've changed as a father from that day to today, in and uh, it's just it's crazy. Yeah, man. That, that What's is, your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, for me, I didn't have the best uh, reaction initially, like we talked about um, many times going into being married. I I told my wife, look, you know, you got Andrew, I'm good. I don't need any of my own kids. And then immediately, she got pregnant. Uh, so. <laughs> Maybe I was joyful. Surprise. Maybe I was joyful inside. I don't know. My <laughs> wife says differently, uh, but it took a little bit of warming up too. So, for me, that was something that uh, was very foolish for me to think that way. And I'm very fortunate that uh, my wife forced herself on me and had the the opportunity to, to have all the kids that we have. So it's been an amazing, um, wonderful experience. Um, did you get nervous during the pregnancy? I mean, since you were in medicine and you knew the complications of the things that could happen. For me, it didn't really, some of that really crossed my mind. I really didn't focus on any of that stuff. But did it affect you in any way? Maybe a little bit. I guess the more you know, the more you start creating your own. What you know, could happen. What could happen. Yeah. You know, it's like when you're in, you know, Steve, you could test this. When you're in school and you learn about disease processes, <laughs> you're like, I have that. Everything starts happening. Oh, oh my God. God I'm my, knee, my knee hurts. It must be cancer. <laughs> you know, but uh, yes. yeah, you know, you learned a little bit. I know that Layla did have some issues, you know, where the heart rate was changing and the nurses kept running in and they were nervous. Our second daughter, April, had it was called a placenta previa where the placenta grows over the cervix. And that's basically a, an emergency situation. So you had some complicating factors. Oh, yeah. In fact, you know, the, the, the risk is as you dilate, it opens the placenta and you just bleed out. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget one morning she woke up. She's like, what in the world? It was like maybe two or three in the morning. Bed was wet. We turned the lights on. And it looked like 
somebody had gotten murdered. Bed was full of blood. So we had to go in and you're kind of freaking out at that moment. Your heart's yeah. pounding because you don't know what does this mean? You know, and the baby was like, you know, 20 something weeks along, almost 30 weeks. And so, uh, yeah, it was scary. So we had to go in and everything was okay, but she was on bed rest for two weeks and they did amniocentesis or they put a needle in the stomach to make sure the lungs were developed. And eventually everything was good, but it was, you had to have a C-section, but it was, you know, it's, it's scary because we, you know, we both have known people who've lost children yep. through miscarriages or um, even kids that were, you know, had accidents. And that's, you know, your heart, when you have a child, I mean, you know, it's almost like a piece of your heart doubles, triples. Every time you have a child, like your your heart is walking in a, and you just you have so much love and compassion for something that didn't exist before. And you can't get your mind around it. But when you don't have kids, you don't, you know, you don't, it's kind of hard to explain. Like it's not until you have a child that you're just put into your care that you experience this level of love that, you know, just came from nothing. It's just amazing. Yeah, and another thing that really surprises me about having the, the little ones is <clears throat> just the lessons that they can teach us. Number one, above all else, is the unconditional love that they, they give you. So I still have the little kids, so, I mean, they're highly emotional, highly volatile, but, you know, they may be mad at me one minute, and then they'll just be, you know, cupping my face and telling me, oh, Dad, I love you uh -huh. so much, and just... You know, the simplest things of arriving home, like I've talked about in other podcasts, you can just see the overwhelming excitement, the love, the joy that you did nothing to deserve. No. <laughs> you know, it's just something that um, is an amazing thing that I, I wish um, we could hold on to that maybe a little bit longer during mm -hmm. our life and not just have it whenever we have small kids, but continue to be recognized by that i guess we got to continue to make people love us that much season <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's like they love you unconditionally and you know nobody else in this world other than your parents probably love you with that same that same amount of love and, and really close friends and you just um it puts things in perspective i think there's an evolution i was mentioning 22 years ago i had my first child but i also think about my heart and my spirit and how i behave as a father <clears throat> over those 22 years and how it's changed you know I no doubt mentioned in we both talked about this in prior cast. Maybe I was a little more selfish in the early parts of my, um, you know, marriage and, and fatherhood, where it was more about me and working and trying to do all these things the way I wanted them to be done, and and not realizing that hey, my life is ticking by, my kids are growing up, I have an opportunity to be something special for them, uh, and and just watching that evolution, you know, as grown spiritually and. You know, we talked about axe retreats and how what's that what that's done for us. Uh, over the last couple of years, I've mentioned, um, you know, kind of had a close uh, love of Saint Joe. You know, as a father figure, he was the, you know, Amen, brother. I mean, Saint Joe is was Mary's husband, Jesus's dad, and so a lot of people kind of blow him off as the old man who just was quote Jesus's dad. But when you really look at it, I mean, you got to think God chose. Someone pretty special to be Mary's husband and Jesus's dad. And when you, you know, there's like a book called The Consecration to St. Joseph that Father, uh, it's a Father Calloway. Calloway, yeah. Um, amazing book. And just looking at St. Joseph's virtues as a father and trying to emulate those or at least use that <clears throat> as, a, as a benchmark and a reflection on how to be a good father. Uh, I remember this, <laughs> this is funny. This is a guy, uh, I know, older guy. He had a couple sons and, he was, guess he was picking on me because I had three daughters. He's like, oh, you know, it takes a real man to raise sons. And I, <laughs> I was like, 
I was like, oh, I said, I would make the argument. It takes a real man to show three girls what a king looks like <laughs> and how to treat a girl right and treat the mother right and to be strong and to provide and to be exactly what you want them to marry because you only got one shot at it. And so, you know, I, I kind of laughed at that and I was like, you know, I think at the end of the day, if you emulate St. Joe in your in your fatherhood, then your kids will see something special and you don't have to worry about them, you know, maybe going off a, a wayward path because either A, they learn the virtues or they know they can go back to you when they get lost. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I had a feeling that St. Joe was going to come up in this, so I'm <laughs> glad that you brought it up. But even going uh, a step uh, above and beyond that, you know, St. Joseph was a great example, but also God the Father. Yes. You know, God the Father, I think, set the original example by mm -hmm. sending us his only son, sacrificing his only son for us. So anybody who has small children, you know that you would do that. I would certainly mm -hmm. do that for my kids. I know Cece would, too. Mm -hmm. And uh, most people, I think, would also. So I, that's just a tremendous um, gift that we were given that we certainly don't deserve. Uh, no, none of us have earned that, but it was something that was bestowed on us. And it was something that is just a continued reminder of um, how much love and mercy that we have. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there, and some of our listeners may be included, where you didn't have a father or a father figure or your father figure wasn't what you wanted or you're lost and you're looking for a father figure today and God is the ultimate father figure. He's, you know, he's come down to earth as Jesus. He's died for you. He sacrificed his life for you uh, just as we would for our own kids. And he's there for you and he's got the answers and the, and, and the, the comfort and the care that you're going to need to get through life. So it's just awesome to know that, that, you know, you have an earthly father, but then you have your heavenly father. Amen. And it doesn't really matter what, what kind of mistakes that you made in your in your life so far. There's always that forgiveness that's there waiting for you if you choose to uh, receive it. Absolutely. Well, CC, this has been a fantastic podcast. Uh, another blew another one out the water without the Hot Dog Man Lake Charles. So <laughs> we're on a roll here. It's been a whole lot of fun. But before we go, has there been anything um, since we recorded last that made you hit the gas or hit the brakes well you know it's funny you ask um i've been hitting the gas lately uh here we are talking about fatherhood mm -hmm. and my youngest daughter is a junior in high school and we went on our first college tour last weekend oh going down, out of state down all that 10 to baton rouge yes that's what i'm talking about <laughs> and uh you know they had an organized uh family day for for high school kids to come and learn about lsu we took tours listened to some talks and um had a great time. She was very impressed with the way they organized it. Um, they did a really good job um, putting the presentation on this year. And it was just, you know, once again, anytime you do something like that, you're excited to go on the trip and be there for them. But, man, when your last kid's about to go to college, woo, the caboose, baby, the caboose. You talk about taking a step back and just looking at life and it makes you really pause and just you're grateful. And it's like, wow, time ticks on, you know, here we are. And I'm, I'm sitting here in awe that I'm going to. My youngest is about to go to college, and old hot dog hasn't even had one yet. <laughs> yeah. He's on vacation practicing having them. <laughs> so maybe one day we'll putting in the hard work. Putting put in, in the hard putting work. Putting in the hard work. We love you, hot, hot dog. And so anyway, <laughs> um, I'm excited for him. But yeah, that was what I did. It was awesome. And so here we are, a new chapter in life, just moving forward. Amen, brother. 
Well, that's going to wrap up this week. And uh, if anyone has any topics that they would like for us to uh, talk about, just shoot us a message. And we'd like for you to consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. So until next time, we'll catch you all later. Hey, y'all. If you've been enjoying picking up what we've been laying down, subscribe and never miss an episode. Find us on social media and let us know who's driving your car this week. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Who's Driving Your Car Podcast. Perfect timing, sun is shining, nothing more I need. Yeah. If you feel like this your best life, won't you sing with me?